One of the, the books that I have been reading recently uh, is by a guy named Scott McKnight. It's called A Fellowship of Difference. I've quoted it a time or two. It's always hard to say because it's not N-C-E. It's N-T-S, different. I don't know how to say that any different so that you get it. Um, other than it's going to be on the screen in a minute. Go ahead and pull it up. The title is right there on the top of that slide. Uh, a Fellowship of Difference. But this is a quote from that book. It says, The church is God's world-changing social experiment of bringing unlikes and difference to the table to share life with one another. As a new kind of family. We're talking about emotionally healthy relationships, which is coming up. Um, but we did our emotionally healthy spirituality initiative a year, a year and a half ago. And as we walked through that, one of the things that we, that we saw in that, that we took from that, is that the Scazeros wrote a time or two about this idea of we are a part of the new family of Jesus. And in this new family, we do family different than most of the examples or the models we have seen a family. It is, it is a different idea. It is a different concept. It looks maybe not like our experience. But it's the way God has created family to look. I really believe that this new idea, this new concept, this, this, this new structuring of who family is was Jesus' hope. For the church that he left in the wake of his birth and his life, his death and his resurrection. That Jesus hoped that more and more people would come to know and follow him as Savior. That Jesus hoped that everyone would feel welcome to come and be a piece of this. A piece of what was happening. A piece of what was move, moving forward. A piece of this, this movement that was beginning to change lives. He hoped that, that the work he had begun in his own teaching, in his own life, would then be passed on to his disciples and that they would continue to do this work. And that this movement would move forward and then this, this group of people following Jesus would continue to grow. That people who were, were confessing Christ as Savior, who were following after the ways of God, who were living this life would get bigger and bigger and bigger and that they would come and be a part of the church. Local gatherings of believers who were walking in this together. And I think that the hope of Jesus, that the hope of the disciples and the apostles is that, that people would come to this because they discovered the love of Christ and they did so most assuredly through the love that they received from the church. This was the challenge to the disciples, the challenge that we see in the book of Acts, the, the verse that we call the theme verse, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, typically, where do we look to get our understanding of what the church looks like? New Testament, right? New Testament, following after Jesus, all these stories of what the church looks like. And as we read those stories, if you actually pay really good attention to reading those stories, then we find out that, that what we see from all of the churches in the New Testament is uh, lots and lots of hiccups. Lots and lots of mistakes of trying to figure out what it means to know and follow Christ more fully. They wrestled with questions of legalism. They battled with who was in and who was out. They, they struggled with, with who gets invited and who doesn't invite it, did get invited. 
they, like us, would read a passage like this and go, so is this saying all are chosen, some are chosen? All kinds of questions and struggles that, that they walked through. They, they had issues trying to figure out what are the requirements, what are the expectations, what are the rules. As we spent nine months in the book of Acts, we talked about some of that just in Acts. But in Paul's letters, we see it over and over and over again. And yet, even as we watch the hiccups, the mistakes, the misgivings, the, the, the struggles with all of this, we see that Paul most spectacularly, again and again, over and over and over again, taught that all are welcome to come and join the movement of Christ that is happening through the church. In the book of Ephesians, in this letter that was written to this specific church, and in the other letters that were written to specific churches, that then became what they call circular letters. They were passed on to different churches as they wanted all of them to learn the information. Over and over and over again, Paul and other writers are saying, all are welcome, come and follow Jesus. Paul repeats it. And even gives lists to help expand our mind as to what he means. As he says, all people, Jew and Gentile, man and woman, parent and child, slave and free, and so on and so on and so on. As he goes through the list, all are welcome to come and follow after Jesus. To come and participate in this kingdom of God idea that Jesus taught about, that the gospel writers wrote about. And the clearest expression, the clearest understanding of the kingdom of God, the clearest illustration of the kingdom of God is to be the church. And we have to be honest. We're really bad at it. I mean, even in the New Testament, we watch as they constantly made a mess of the idea of kingdom of God. They constantly made a mess out of the challenges that Paul had put in front of them. Many of the letters we see are, are, are what Paul writes to the churches because they've messed the whole thing up. And he's going, no, 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 hold, hold on, you got the wrong idea, let's try again. Over and over again, the church made a mess out of what Jesus had called them to be, out of what Christ had hoped they might become. As a matter of fact, as we read through it, I can't find any examples of any church in the scripture that ever got it right. A hundred percent, they figured it out. They're right on track. Everything is happening with the way they were called to live as the kingdom of God. And while that's a little bit scary for us, it gives us a little bit of relief too, doesn't it? Because we can go... I mean, they walked with Jesus and they couldn't figure this thing out. Generations later, maybe there's reasons why we struggle and why we can't get it and why we still ask questions. McKnight also wrote this. It says, on paper, the church works. I should have bolded on paper, shouldn't I? So you caught that part. He says it again. On paper, the church is perfect. Who'd not want to be involved? On paper, it's a loving fellowship for everything that knocks out sinful lives and creates holy ones. As each person grows into Christ's likeness. It all seems so good. Until you arrive on Sunday morning. Or at a Bible study on Thursday evening. Or your dad gets out of hand. Or your sister becomes bossy pants. Or someone gets mouthy about what everyone ought to believe. No wonder Paul believed in transforming grace. He knew that love was needed for the church as God designed it. 
You see, even in this messy stuff, even in all these struggles and all these complicated realities of trying to figure out the church and what the church should look like, and even if Paul writes to, to Ephesus and Corinth and Philippi and Colossae and others, he says, hold, hold, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you got to do this thing that you've missed, you've lost sight of or you've lost track of. As we read the book of Revelation and we see the seven churches that are there, many of them celebrated and yet it's, oh, but wait, hold on, there's also this part. Over and over again, we see all these corrections and these attempts to change course and and get things right. And yet never, not once, hear this, make sure you get this, never, not once, anywhere, do we even see a glimpse or a glimmer that Jesus, that the scriptures, that Paul, that the apostles, that the disciples, never one time... Are we given the opportunity to believe that they gave up on the church and chose to look for a different method of moving forward the kingdom of God? Never. Not one time. It's not there. You cannot find it. But I I can be really spiritual and not be a part of the local body. You can grow your individual faith. You cannot be who Jesus has called you to be and not be a part of the local church. You can't get there, and you can't find scripture to argue it. You can't. And now, now again, yes, in the next few weeks we'll get to some of this and how it works, because I am not saying that means you have to be here every single time the doors are open, or you lost Jesus somewhere along the way. Nope. Then we've erred on the side of legalism, and that's not where we're trying to go. We're trying to understand the reality that the expression of the kingdom of God that was created, the, the desire that God had for seeing the kingdom move forward was the church. It was the body. It was the bride of Christ. God's chosen method for spreading the love of Christ is the church. God's chosen method for restoring beauty to all of creation is the church. God's chosen method for helping people come to know and follow Christ more faithfully, come to love God more fully, Come to love our neighbors more selflessly, learn to give our resources more sacrificially, learn to find healing and transformation more clearly, experience fully the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is the church. That is the method that God has chosen. Now, yes, there's a caveat. We make an absolute mess out of what the church is supposed to look like. But that doesn't mean we get to give up. Because neither did Jesus or Paul or any of the others. To find the life that God has created us for, we need this messy gathering of others on the same journey that we're on. To become who Christ has created us to be, we need the church. At Valley, we talk about the idea of, of people being on a journey. All people on a journey. That journey is the, the journey of discipleship. It's the journey from knowing nothing about God to being a faithful follower of Christ. We would say, I would say, every single person is on that journey. Everybody. But, but we, we tend to move at different paces. Some run and some crawl and some just hang out where they are for a while. 
We have choices along the way. Not only do we move at different paces, but we get to make choices. We get to make choices to move forward, and we get to make choices to go backwards, and we get to make choices to run in all kinds of other directions other than where God would have us grow in coming to to know and follow Christ more faithfully. All of this is a piece of what happens. And as we typically draw this out, even as I illustrate it, I say down here is the idea of knowing nothing about God, and down here is the idea of being a faithful follower of Jesus. You notice how it looks like a straight line? But in your faith journey, how many of you have experienced straight line faith journeys? None of us. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't happen that way. Because we have highs and lows, we have rough days and we have easy ones. We have times of bold confidence in our faith. And we have times of overwhelming doubt. I'm going to let that sit for a minute. Because I grew up in a church that said we didn't ever have doubts in our faith. And when I did, I thought something was wrong with me. We have times when we are convinced and we have times when we doubt. And we are promised that our God is big enough for both. And that along this journey that is not a straight line but looks a lot more like this... And sometimes like this or like this or, I mean, it's like being thrown in a washing machine, isn't it? I mean, it just feels so mixed up and confusing some days. But we get these these blessings along the journey, these blessings that exist to help us find our way forward, find our way from this place of knowing nothing about God to being faithful followers of Jesus. We get these these blessings, these tools, these resources along the journey. We get the presence of the Holy Spirit. To be with us and to help us move forward. We get the words of the scripture to give us wisdom and understanding as to who God is and what God is doing and how God has designed us and created us and loves us and dreams of more for us. We get spiritual disciplines, practices that we've talked about, that we talk about in our small groups, that we talked about in worship, that Jeff talked about a little bit over the last couple of weeks. We get these, these spiritual disciplines. Man, don't we all hate the word discipline? I know we do. But they're these, these practices, these things that we do because they give us chances to be in the presence of Jesus. Intentionally. To sit in the midst of the presence of Jesus. To learn, to grow, to be strengthened, to be encouraged. And we get the church. We get the messy body of Christ, the bride of Christ, who together are trying to figure out what it means to walk forward. Who together are trying to figure out what it means to follow more faithfully. Who are together wrestling with the ins and outs of the journey. Because sometimes it takes lots of wrestling. And, and valley, this, this place, this church, is just one example of what we mean when we talk about the reality that God has chosen the church as the method to move things forward. We're not the only one. There are all kinds of churches up and down the street. There are all kinds of churches weaved in and out of our neighborhoods. Some of you passed multiple on the way here. I did. I drove through several as I made my way to Valley, but this is one expression. This is one group. This is one body. This is one local community who has said, we want to find our way towards being the church that God has created us to be, that Jesus has called us to be, that the Holy Spirit can equip us to be. 
We, we want to be that kind of people. And whether you've been here for 50 years or this is your first day in the building, let me let you in on a secret. We're a mess. <laughs> I mean, we're a mess. We are an absolute mess. Because that's what happens when people who look so different from one another come together and try and chase after the same thing. We're a mess because that's what happens when broken people say, I want to be a part of this with you. I want to be a part of being transformed to look like and live all the promises Jesus has given me. But we tend to not say, but by the way, I'm broken. I'm a mess. My life is in shambles. Can I come share it with you? I mean, these are the people we meet at the front door and we go, no, run away. Well, we're a mess. We're also a mess because we're still trying to clarify what it means for us to be the church that we're called to be. The church that actually helps people move forward on the journey. Helps people find their way forward in following after Jesus more faithfully. I've told you many times over the last four years. We've been here almost four years. Isn't that crazy? Even as I wrote that, I was like, wow. Over the last four years, I've told you many times. We are building the plane as we fly it. Guess what? We don't ever get to stop flying, and we don't ever get to stop building. Sorry. Those of you that are hoping things will settle down at some point won't happen. The world is changing so rapidly, and people are changing so quickly all the time that they're being shuffled up and things are moving. And because of that, we have to constantly be adapting and rebuilding the methods by which we move forward the things that we know are true. Because the reality is the love of God never, ever changes. The salvation offered through Jesus never, ever changes. The power of the Holy Spirit never, ever changes. But the means and the methods and the ways in which we communicate these truths must always be changing to meet the realities of a changing world and a changing people. The truths never change. The ways in which we communicate them forward, which we push them forward, in which we live them forward, must be changing. So we as a church and I as your pastor am constantly looking for the most effective ways in which we move forward. The unchanging expectation of Jesus Christ our Savior that people come to love God and other people more fully. We're always looking at how do we do that better. And we don't ever get to stop. And if that scares you to death, that's okay. Hang with us because we're going to continue to try and figure out how to do it better. And for others of you, it might scare you to death and you might say, no way, i got to go somewhere that's not changing. Okay, you're welcome to go. But if they're not changing, they are changing. Because slowly they're dying or we're dying. So we're going to continue to try and figure out what this means. And it means that we will be a mess and we will always be a mess. Because we will always look different and we will always be broken. And we will always be trying to figure out how to do this better. 
And we only become the church that we're called to be if individual Christ followers, men and women, boys and girls like you and me, decide we are committed to this place, to journey forward with these people. This is who we're with. This is where we're going. This is the expression of the kingdom of God we want to be a part of. Truth is, we only become the expression of the people of God that we've been called to be if we commit ourselves to diversity. This morning I mentioned, some of you were mentioned by name. Some of you were as we prayed because I prayed through some of the folks we've seen come our way in the last year. I just started thinking through who are people we've seen. And as I prayed through those people, I didn't even expect to recognize that there are people that have come our way in the last year. Some of whom are in their 80s and some of whom are little children. Some of whom come from different countries. We've had a Haitian come our way in the last year. We've had a woman from Nigeria come and worship with us. We've had others from African backgrounds come in and worship. We've had people from all different races and tribes and nationalities and ages come. And we want exactly that. To be the expression of the kingdom of God we've been called to be, we must commit ourselves to diversity. And alongside that, we must commit ourselves that we will be unified in our diversity. That we will be unified even when it's hard, even when we don't get it, even when we're not on the same page. You see, as Christ followers, we're called to connect to the local body. And once we do so, we're called to find the body, connect to the body, and stay there. This sounds like a really good sales tactic for the pastor, doesn't it? Once you're in, you don't get to leave. That's not what I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you that the American idea that we're supposed to hop from place to place to place, finding the place that best meets my needs or best... Feeds me or best takes care of my children or best plays the music that I like hopping from place to place looking for that is not the biblical idea of what it means to be the church. It is not what the Bible lays out as being the church together. In the New Testament, Christians came together and they joined the local body and they became a weird kind of family together. Of in-laws and step-laws and orphans and all kinds of people who all came in together. In in McKnight's book, a, a, a Fellowship of Difference, he actually goes through and says, In the early church, you would have seen this. And he gives this beautiful illustration of rich people eating beside poor people. And people of different races and Gentiles and Jews and male and female. And all these people gathering together and how this was a totally foreign idea. Yes. And that's who we want to be as the church. So we come and we decide to stay. They decided to stay and they stayed. They stayed when they fought with one another. They stayed when they disagreed with one another. They stayed when they were uncertain of the direction forward. They stayed when their personal desires weren't being fully satisfied. They stayed through theological debates. They stayed through lifestyle debates. They found a church. They found a family and they stayed. Now, find a million arguments if you want to for why that was. Well, there weren't other church options. Well, that was the only one in their community. Yep, not the point. Make that argument if you want, but that's not what we're being shown in the scriptures. We're being shown our call to join the local body and to find it and to get involved and to stay there. Because the early church, the people who were part of that church, they understood that the church's primary purpose was not to meet Every individual's specific needs. The primary purpose of the church was to bring together the body of Christ as partners. 
to bring together the body of Christ, not only as partners together, but as partners with God at moving forward the restoration, the renewal, the transformation, the new life that God wanted to bring to all of creation. And they came in and they decided to be partners in this. Now, here's reality of Valley. We will not always do this well. We will not always get it right. We will make a mess of it. But we're going to strive to be the kind of church that welcomes people in. All people. No matter what they look like or where they've been or what their journey has looked like or where they are going, we want them to come and be welcome among us as the body of Christ. We want them to know that they are deeply loved by their Savior. We want to be the kind of church that throws our arms wide open and sees those who are unseen around us. We want to be the kind of church that helps the unheard know that they are heard by Jesus. We want to be the kind of church that that recognizes both the visible and the invisible in our congregation and in our society and says, come be here. Come be among us. We want to shout from the rooftops, come one, come all. This is the place that you can come and be welcome and be loved. And yet, it is not easy. So once they come and they look different than us and they say things that are different and they even believe things that are different and they even do things that are different, our call as the church is to learn how to love. Love one another. Love those who are part of our family together. Not because it's easy. Not because it always feels good. Not because we always agree on everything. Not even because we like everyone. Now, I think if we love well, that liking piece begins to change. But in the process, it's not always because we even like everyone. It's because this is the grand experiment of being the church. This is what it means to be the church. This is the great call of Christ. To love God and other people. And the reason we want to strive to do so so well is because even in our own brokenness, we've been loved by God. Even in our own flaws and mistakes and sins, God has welcomed us in. And my hope is that you have also experienced being loved by the church. The bride of Christ. So next few weeks, let me give you a roadmap. Here's where we're going. We're going to spend three weeks talking about three kinds of ways of living that we believe are important for people who say, I want to come and I want to be invested and committed in Valley. Reality is anyone and everyone's willing to come. Come worship with us. Come sit with us on Sunday mornings. Come be a part of this. But if you really want to be a part of the family, if you really want to follow Christ and the call to be invested in and committed to a local body and you've decided Valley is going to be that people... We feel like there are these kind of three ways of life that need to be happening in your life. And they're written in our constitution and bylaws. We added them this last year when we changed that. And um, But yet with each, there's kind of some flexibility and some personalization that comes into it. We wanted them to be, to be specific enough to be understood, but broad enough that as individuals we could figure out what they meant. But we, we believe they're crucial to being the family of God we've been called to be. The body of Christ we were created to be. The church we're expected to be. Whole life discipleship, investment in the family, 
and missional living among our neighbors in the nations. Those are the three, and, and we're going to break down each of those three over the next couple of weeks. Here's the reality. If you are here, we want to partner with you on the journey that you're on with Christ. We want to be a partner with you. We want to be a blessing to you. And even bigger than that, we want to journey with you. This morning I was reading a quote. I didn't have time to get added to the slides, and I didn't write the whole thing down here, but I was reading a quote that was talking about the reality that the spiritual journey, although we talk about it so often in individual understandings, it is not actually scripturally about an individual move forward. It's about a caravan. It's a caravan of people saying, together, we're going to walk forward with Jesus. So if, if you're interested, come join our caravan. Come be a part. Come follow with us. And yes, that means some are going to follow in the back, just kind of watching as we move forward. But that's not really how we're called the caravan together. Caravaning together means we each take different roles and responsibilities. We each play our part. We each invest. We each commit. So over the next few weeks, we're going to break that down and we're going to talk about that. It's a great time for you to be here and hear what that looks like and how that looks for us as we continue to figure it out moving forward.